Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Keep the Receipts, the One Man Fast Break. I'm your host, Altamash, and this week we are going to cover a little football, a little soccer, and some NBA as well. And without further without further ado, let's get right into it. I want to start off by talking about Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. We talked about him earlier in the season. It's being proven again. That guy is the truth. To me, he's becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL to watch. Just from a strictly aesthetic point of view. The way this guy throws the football and just the way he's controlling the games in his second year is amazing. And... The Chargers are one of the teams to be reckoned with in the AFC and majority of it is due to him and also Austin Eckler is great. They've also got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton has kind of come on in the last couple of weeks. He's been catching long touchdowns, but I mean, the big majority of everything falls on the shoulders of Justin Herbert and man, that guy is stupendous to watch. Last game, 23 of 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions against the Giants. Thoroughly handled the Giants. It, was a, it wasn't even close. The, the final score pretty much made it seem closer than it was. The Chargers dominated that game from the get-go, and Justin Herbert was just surgical in that game. Only eight incompletions. Could have had 400, 500 yards if the game was even close, but it wasn't, and then they ran the ball. They took him out in the fourth quarter because the game was... Never in doubt. But I want to talk about one play in this game. And for those who, who've seen the highlights, I'm sure you guys have seen it. And it's this 59-yard touchdown that Justin Herbert threw to Jalen Guyton. That touchdown was one of the best throws of the season, if not the best throw of the season this year. For those who haven't seen it, Justin Herbert, he rolled out to his right and he threw this ball like 70, 55, 60 yards in the air on the money over the defense, uh, over the defensive safety for a touchdown to Jalen Guyton. It was just, just perfect. Like it was one of the best thrown balls in the entire season. And Justin Herbert, that's routine for him now. He's just, he's got a cannon. Everybody knows that. And even when he's making five yard passes or 10 yard passes, that guy's dropping lasers and they're like super they're fastballs coming in the receivers have to be ready for it and I think the receivers have gotten used to it because even when it's five yards like Justin Herbert is it's like the jugs machine right they're coming in at 45 50 miles an hour and and Justin Herbert he's got a cannon and that that play that he did this week for for the touchdown was maybe even less impressive than the one he did the previous week against the Bengals where he did the same thing where he rolled out to his right, but he threw it across the field to the left end zone. So that one was even probably 55, 65, 70 yards in the air and on the money. And he's just become such a great quarterback to watch. And he's only in the second year and he's only going to get better. And they got a big game coming up against the Kansas City Chiefs this week uh, in a couple of days on Thursday night against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs obviously have a couple of COVID scares and, Unfortunately, the NFL looks like, you know, they're having COVID scares around the league where they've had 65 to 75 players test positive and maybe there's more coming in tomorrow, which is kind of a bummer because uh, Chris Jones, one of the best defensive players in the NFL for the Kansas City Chiefs, will probably be out for the game on Thursday night. 
I was really looking forward to this game because this might be a a prequel to the AFC Championship game because the Chargers are good enough and right now the Chiefs are looking great as well. But I just wanted to give major love to Justin Herbert. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's my uh, fantasy quarterback. Um, but maybe a little, but I, I just thought like the way he's playing has just been such amazing to watch the growth that he's making as a player and, you know, just the future so bright in, in not San Diego. That used to be the San Diego Chargers. Now they're the Los Angeles Chargers, but you know, they got a new stadium and they got, they got a new coach and a quarterback who's growing and they've got a team around him that they can build with. And the Chargers, if they keep the core together, they're going to be a force to reckon with in the AFC. And Justin Herbert is obviously one of the top five, seven quarterbacks in the the NFL. And maybe, you know, top two or three in terms of guys younger than 25. And it's just, it's been amazing to watch him grow. And I just wanted to give him major love because a lot of the major broadcasts are not doing that. And, you know, Justin Herbert deserves the props that he's getting. And I know he doesn't get headlines because he just kind of goes about his business and he just goes on to the next thing and he's just, you know, a very consummate professional. But I wanted to give love to Justin Herbert. Um, now kind of transitioning into talking about the team that he's going to be playing this week, we had kind of discussed, is the Kansas City Chiefs. And for those who've been listening to the podcast for a while, that's been my, you know, they were my preseason uh, Super Bowl champions the Kansas City Chiefs and for a while in the season it didn't look like this was happening because the Chiefs looked all sorts of discombobulated with injuries to Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes didn't look right and all this turnovers and it looked like what was wrong with the Chiefs is a Super Bowl hangover and that's very you know a real thing that happens where the Chiefs went to back-to-back Super Bowls and then they obviously lost a second one to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it looked like maybe the league had figured out Mahomes or Mahomes just was, you know, not doing well. And, you know, it happens. You go through a slump. But, man, the Chiefs are over that slump. And they're coming out in a big way. Chris Jones came back. And that defense was Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and Brashard Breland. They've got great defensive players at all levels of field. And they're showing it. They they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And just from a statistical perspective, standpoint they're the top ranked defense in terms of points allowed in the, since week six so for whatever that's worth yeah maybe it's a competition hasn't been great maybe it's a, a, a combination of things but you know the stats don't lie when these guys are they're they're been averaging their de- uh, opposing teams have been averaging about 13 points against them and you know Patrick Mahomes is going to get you 20 25 most every game that he plays so if he's giving you 20 25 and the defense holding 13 like they're going to win games and they're they're right in the thick of things. They're back in contention to get the number one seed. And if they beat the, uh, the Chargers, they're going to be in that position. The Ravens have kind of fallen off and there's really no team that's been taking the throne. Uh, the Patriots obviously have been right there, but Mac Jones or Patrick Mahomes, right? Which quarterback are you trusting? Give me Patrick Mahomes any day of the week. And Patrick Mahomes over anybody, right? And uh, this isn't, you know... This isn't, you know, recency bias because Patrick Mahomes was voted the best player in the NFL, rightfully so, and uh, by the players. And I think that, you know, everybody fears him. And he's just, he's got it. He's already won Super Bowl. He's already won MVP. He's just trying to go, you know, kind of keep that Brady route where you just keep winning and winning and winning. And with Andy Reid and the team that they've got built around him, they have the opportunity to do that. And the big question with the Chiefs is going to be, 
you know, they've had the offense for years. Um, but now their defense is looking maybe even better than their offense. Their, their offense hasn't even been great uh, aside from the two games that they played against the Raiders. If they played the Raiders every week, the Kansas City Chiefs would break every single scoring record there is to break and they would win the Super Bowl every year because the Raiders, for some reason, Patrick Mahomes owns the Raiders, a part of them, not just Mark Davis. Patrick Mahomes owns part of the Raiders as well. And he just, I don't know, he plays really well against the Raiders and the Chiefs just dominated them last round and they dominated them in in, Oak, in Las Vegas. So Patrick Mahomes, like every, every, I think all great quarterbacks have that team like Pat, uh, for Aaron Rodgers, the Chicago Bears, for Brady when he was in New England, it was the Buffalo Bills. And it's still the Buffalo Bills because he beat them this weekend. Um, but you know, the great quarterbacks have those, they win against everybody for the most part. Right. But you know, sometimes you have some favorites and for right now, it seems like for Patrick Mahomes, that's the Oakland, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the seating unfolds right now. I think the chiefs are in pole position, assuming this COVID situation with their players and obviously around the NFL gets resolved or at least has some sort of conclusion because every day in the last couple of days there have been players been testing positive and if that you know postpones a game or something you know maybe that throws off momentum from our team from a player and all that is needed because the playoffs are right around the corner in three or four weeks they're going to be playing for real the big games are going to be happening so you want to have the most healthiest team you want to be you know clicking on all cylinders when the playoffs roll around because like you know all the some of the teams that have won they've you know, they clicked at the right time. They go through the wild card, just like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Eli Manning and his two Super Bowls, they um, they were at wild card. They went all the way and won the Super Bowl. So, you know, when you're clicking at the right time, it it, it can lead you to a Super Bowl. And, you know, hopefully the, the Chiefs are kind of looking like they turned the corner and they're kind of heading in that direction. But maybe this COVID situation, Chris Jones, uh, might hinder that a little bit. But it remains to be seen. Hopefully, it's you know these people can test negative in the next couple of days or in the next couple, like in a week or so, so they can be ready. Maybe Chris Jones will most likely miss Thursday night because the game's in like you know less than what forty eight hours now, and uh, the chances of him testing negative twice is pretty slim, assuming he just tested positive uh, for COVID. But it, it remains to be seen. And I, I mean, the Chiefs are heading in the right direction, and my Super Bowl prediction seems uh, more. Uh, and more likely, I guess, at this point. But um, I kind of wanted to transition from that and kind of cover a little bit about, I guess this is COVID-related as well, is the Kyrie situation. Uh, uh, Shams Charania from The Athletic reported that, you know, maybe Kyrie, there's a slight possibility Kyrie might come back and play half the games, which wasn't the plan originally, right? They were... Kyrie, Kyrie, obviously, for those who don't know, Kyrie Irving cannot play in the city of New York, where his team is, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. He cannot play there because they require a mandated vaccine, and he, obviously he has not got the vaccine. So he could technically play in road games in cities where the that is not required, where there is not a mandate for the vaccine. Um, so you get him part-time, but... I don't know if that's really the, the solution to the problem. Like the solution, the real solution is Kyrie gets vaccinated and, you know, solves all the problems. I don't know if that's really going to happen. But uh, if if there are rumors and that's going to happen that Kyrie comes back, you know, I think the Nets are going to need them. The The way the Nets are going, Harden really hasn't played like himself. 
to the extent that, you know, they need at the MVP level, especially without Kyrie. Like, James Harden has to be, you know, close to James James Harden from Houston. I don't know if he is going to be able to capable of doing that, or obviously it's much difficult because you have to also accommodate Kevin Durant. In Houston, you did not have a player like Kevin Durant, so Harden could hold the ball and shoot the ball as much as you wanted. But when you have a Kevin Durant on your team, you got to make sure that guy gets his shots. And tonight he had a triple-double uh, in a win. And you got to be able to get him the ball. And I think the Nets probably need Kyrie to be on the team for them to win the title. I don't know if they can win it without him. Uh, strictly based on how Harden's playing. Now, if Harden reaches, a, like, reaches another level, which I know he can, and everybody knows he's been able to do it. Um, ever since the injury, he really has kind of fallen off and... Uh, a little bit, so he's got to reach that level for them to be able to win the title. The Nets could still win the title with Kevin Durant and Harden because they have that kind of talent. They're that supremely talented, but it's going to be a lot more burden for Harden, a lot more shoulder. He's got to carry a lot more on his shoulders for the Nets to be able to hoist the Lombardi Trophy in June. But, uh, obviously everybody knows what Kevin Durant is going to do, but if Kyrie comes back, hey, it's definitely going to help them. But I don't know if that 50-50 playing one game and then resting for two because you're at home for a homestand and then going on the road and he plays four games in a row and then they go back to Brooklyn. Like, that, that's that got to be frustrating to the team. That's got to be frustrating because you got to answer all these questions about, hey, Kyrie's not playing this game. Kyrie's playing this game. And that's got to be, you know, it's got to cause some sort of, you know, friction within team and the locker room but you know if that's what the players want and that's kind of what's going to end up being the situation um it remains to be seen obviously right now it's still up in the air if Kyrie even actually ever comes back or if he doesn't even play you know even in the 50 50 percent of the games that he might have a chance to play if um if he does come back so it's kind of you know still sort of we don't know for certain um, in the remaining, I guess, weeks and months, we're going to find out if this actually does happen or maybe Kyrie gets the vaccine and, you know, all of this is laid to rest. The last topic that I wanted to cover was the shot Kyrie made over uh, in Game 7 was over Steph Curry. And I wanted to cover Steph Curry and the monumental record that he just broke tonight uh, in Madison Square Garden. Stephen Curry broke the record for most threes in NBA career passing Ray Allen, who had 2,973 three-pointers. Uh, Steph in the first quarter uh, broke that record, and now he's at 29.77, so he's expanded his lead by four. And who knows, by the time he retires, what the record is going to be. Probably close to 4,000, I don't know, 4,200 threes, maybe something in that ballpark. And it's just going to be... I mean, the real question that's going to be, first of all, amazing, amazing accomplishment. Uh, I know there was some article that Bleacher, uh, there were some posts that Bleacher Report put out where uh, there was a Reddit post uh, when Steph Curry became a rookie in the league. And the question was, could somebody realistically break Ray Allen's record? And everybody was saying, no, that's not going to happen. And that was, you know, looking back at it now, it sounds ridiculous that Steph Curry wouldn't break the record. But at that time, that's kind of how the game was. And Steph Curry's completely revolutionized the game of basketball um, from a shooting perspective. And he's the greatest shooter ever. So this is, you know, a record that everybody expected him to have. And obviously he does now. 
it was just a matter of time he got it in like 500 less games than Ray Allen did. So that's just kind of more about not that Ray Allen wasn't a great shooter. It's just kind of how the game has changed from uh, inside out to outside in. If you got three-point shooters, that's kind of where you, everybody's looking to shoot, right? And now the league's like on average shoots about, you know, on average shoots about 35 threes a game. Every team shoots on roughly about 30. And then when Ray Allen was in the league, it was probably closer to like 10 or 12 threes per game. So that drastic difference of about 20, 20 threes, 20, 22 threes, is you know the reason that Steph's doing it, and obviously the big part of that was Steph Curry and then Clay Thompson, his teammate. Where these guys were just so good at shooting, you were like, why not get the extra point from the three? And he was he was that at Davidson. He was an amazing shooter at Davidson, so nobody questioned his ability to shoot the ball. But you know when Mark Jackson was the coach, he had mentioned. He said we had the best shooting backcourt in all time. Uh, really earlier on in his uh, tenure as a coach and everybody laughed at him but when he left his coaching spot it was no debate like they are the best shooting backcourt ever Clay Thompson and Steph Curry so uh, the real question is will somebody ever break Steph's record right and I think it's going to get to a point where he's going to set a record so high it's kind of going to be like the Joe DiMaggio uh, hitting streak where is anybody ever going to be able to get there I guess in a very, very slim chance, yes. But um, I don't know what the number is actually going to be. You'll be close to 42, 4,500 threes. And that means you're going to have to shoot, like, you know, make, like, 200 threes for, like, 20 years or something crazy like that. Which is possibility for some of these players who are just, you know, that's kind of where the game's going, right? You don't have to be able to be the ta- the biggest guy. You don't have to be the tallest. You don't have to be the most, asle- most athletic. You, you can shoot the ball. At the rate and at the clip that Steph uh, Steph Curry can at forty five percent from the three point line, take twenty threes a game because if you're shooting at that level, that's what you gain an extra point. Like it, it, it completely changes the game and the way teams guard Steph and the way teams scheme for Steph is different than anybody else in the league because he literally, as soon as he gets past the half court line, you really have to worry about that he could shoot the ball, and obviously that's uh. A testament to his greatness and also, you know, very similar circumstance when a few 2016 when he did that against uh, Oklahoma City, that, you know, miraculous almost half-court shot where he took a jump shot from almost 40 feet and drilled it with, one, like, 0.23 seconds left on a shot clock. And, you know, as a Rockets fan, I don't like to give love to Steph and the Warriors as much, but, man, you just got to give props where it's due. This is me putting my analyst hat on and not necessarily my fandom hat but you know it's just an amazing accomplishment I don't know somebody will ever break the record that Steph will set whatever that number is he's still got like four or five six years maybe uh where he's just going to be shooting at a ridiculous clip and one thing about the NBA is it's not like LeBron or somebody where you know his Steph relies so much on his athleticism he doesn't shooters can play in the league forever like Kyle Korver like obviously he's not a Steph Curry but Kyle Corbett was in the league for like 12, 15 years. J.J. Redick, you know, these players who just shoot the ball and they're good at it. They were never as good as Steph Curry. But if they can be in the league for that kind of amount of time, imagine what Steph can do when, you know, he's falling, like he's coming down from his peaks. So I don't know if anybody will ever catch it, but, you know, it would be a cool story, you know, 10, 15, 25, 30 years down the line if somebody breaks Steph's record. Because right now it seems unfathomable, and I'm sure, you know, 10 years ago when they asked, hey, if 
with somebody break Ray Allen's record, it seemed unfathomable. But here we are, and you know, Steph's the three-point king, rightfully so. That he deserves that title, and he owns that title now. But um, that's kind of going to be it for this week's podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And obviously, I recorded this very late today. But on that note, I'm out.